You're listening to Disciples in the Last Days podcast. Here's your host, Pastor Bill Rose. Well, I want to dig into well a helpful topic and one that that we just really need to spend some time with as a people who who live in, I think, a challenging time for Christians, regardless of where you are around the globe. The Bible talks about how things are going to be as we move toward the end of time. And Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, you probably read this passage, but in verse 3, he says, there's going to come a time when, well, people just won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, uh, to suit their own desires, they'll, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll, they'll turn their ears away from truth, and they'll turn aside to miss. I think we live in that day and age. Jesus talked about this as well, that in Matthew chapter 24, that false Christ would appear, and they would even do signs and wonders to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. Now, those of you that have studied the last days for a while know this is called the Great Deception, but I think the Great Deception has a lot of smaller deceptions on the inside of it. But the reality is, this has been around from the beginning of time itself. You remember at the very beginning in the creation story, by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, we find that the serpent's there and is more crafty than any of the wild animals that the, God, that the Lord God had made. And, and, and he, he engages Eve in this conversation where he asks this question, did God really say? Did God really say? The, 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 very, the very essence of this conversation is to get get Eve to doubt, to get her to question, and then ultimately to believe in something different than what God said. Now, you know, we, 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 we've, we've had these kinds of conversations a lot, you know, even inside of our own family. And, you know, um, you're, a, you're, you're as a parent, you might say, did your mom say that you could eat that before supper? It's a question designed uh, around doubt. And, and in that instance, it's, it's good because it's creating doubt in the child as to whether or not they're really doing what they're supposed to be doing. But sometimes it happens in the Christian community uh, as well, where somebody says something and we begin to think, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Here's Here's a response I have to some of this. The only way to authoritatively answer the question, did God really say something, is to know what God really said. And the reality is, all the way back in Genesis, in the second chapter, in verses 16 and 17, Adam and Eve both knew what God had said. The Lord God commanded them, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, if you fast forward that to the conversation, again, between Eve and the serpent, the woman says to the serpent, you know, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but, but God said you must not eat uh, fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, uh, and you must not touch it or you will die. And so she changes the wording a little bit. People do this all the time. Why? Doesn't the Bible say something like this? Doesn't the Bible say something like that? That the reality is, if we are going to authoritatively deal with deceit, then we absolutely need to know what the truth is and what God has to say about the things that we're speaking to or the things that we're processing or steps that we're trying to take. And so with that in mind, I want to give you some some things that you can hold on to that will help you so that you can have a consistent daily drip of truth into your mind and heart and have a lens through which you can look at things. First of all, 
if you and I are going to know the truth and we're going to be able to identify deception when it comes, we're going to have to get in the pattern of using all the scripture, not just the verse that we know or the verse that we like. I mean, the reality is the Bible talks about faith and salvation and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and and the person and work of Jesus Christ and morals and values and all of those all of those topics and and thousands more, correct? Yeah. But it also says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Use all of Scripture, not just a verse or two. Especially be concerned about people and groups that try to take a verse or two and create an entire doctrinal system from it. Secondly, you probably have heard this one before, but it really bears repeating Work from the principles of God's Word when there aren't specifics. There is no indication anywhere that God wanted to cover every possible topic in the Bible. And in fact, I think there's something, well, there's something important. There's something, there's something about having to take scriptural principles and applying them to a particular situation or a question that we have or a decision that we're trying to make. Because what that does is is it forces us to not only dig into God's truth, it forces us, as God's Word tells us to, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and to get used to listening to the voice of the shepherd and and walking in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Those, Those times in our life can be just as important as the times when we take a very specific scripture and we apply it to a very specific situation. Third, never make an argument out of silence. I know I've dealt with this before in this podcast, but guys, I want to say it again. I want to underline it, draw circles around it, maybe a couple arrows pointing to it. If the Bible does not say something, don't make a doctrine from that. That gets us into all kinds of trouble. And I hear authors and speakers do this on a relatively frequent basis. And it's always going to be a difficult, it's always going to be a difficult doctrinal issue. But I think it also can lead us into applications that can really take us down the wrong paths. Another way to look at truth and another way of of, of avoiding deception is to remember that the person and work of Jesus Christ are always central to the truth and that the Spirit of God is always ready to lead us into truth. You and I have that as a promise. You and I have that because we're promised those things in God's Word. The work of Christ is always going to move us away from bad theology and move us toward good theology. And He has given us the additional promise that the Holy Spirit would lead us into truth. Not not too long ago, I received a phone call from the Justice Department. Right. I knew this was a fraudulent phone call because I knew the truth that the Justice Department wouldn't be calling me on the phone telling them I owed money. (laughs) Anyway, I got rid of the caller, as you might add, as you might uh, think uh, that I did. And I know, and I did not send them any money. (laughs) You and I have to know the truth. When you and I are in a situation that we're trying to determine what God's truth really has to say to us, and we're making sure that we're not veering off the wrong path. Let's kind of keep some principles in mind from Genesis chapter 3 and from this conversation regarding God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us into truth. Here's something you need to think about. The longer you hang out with a temptation, 
the more likely you are to follow through with it, even if you know it's wrong. Eventually, Eve grabbed a hold of the fruit, ate it, and gave some to her husband. That that could have been circumvented early on by simply quoting what God had said and ignoring the serpent, getting away from the serpent. Secondly, I really want you to think about this, but if you don't know the truth, then you don't know if you are deceived either. Now, this is huge. And I think sometimes when we get into prophecy, when we get into the conversations regarding the last days, there's a lot of conversation out there and there's a lot of speculation. That's fine. There's those, those conversations can be fun and they, they might even have uh, some things for us to think about and to process. But the reality is when you and I are talking about living out our faith, when you and I are talking about standing on the truth and following the truth and applying the truth and walking in the truth, you and I have to know what the truth really is. And if we know the truth, then we, we really can be set free. But if we don't know the truth, we don't know if we're deceived either. Here's another thought. If Satan cannot get you to question the truth of God, he'll try to get you to question his motives. Wow. Verse 6 tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that when the woman saw the fruit of the tree and it was good for uh, food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, yeah, she took some and she ate it. You know the end of the story. She also gave some to her husband. She had concluded that God's motives in this situation were questionable. He was keeping something from her that she absolutely should have access to. And well, I mean, what right does God have to do that, right? Well, listen, something was said years ago that I think bears repeating in this conversation. I think it was Josh McDowell, but he said, inside every commandment, we find two things, protection and provision. Now, when you and I dig into this conversation regarding truth, and we we dig into this conversation regarding walking in God's truth and building a life on that truth, you and I both know that Adam should have grabbed a big stick and beat the serpent to a bloody pulp. But by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, we, we find at the end of that chapter, it's, it's just too late. But you know what? It's not too late for us. It's not too late for us to help raise up a generation of people who will champion truth and a culture that questions whether or not there is even any truth to believe in. It's not too late for us to, to help raise up a generation of men and women who will know uh, how to live the truth of God in their living rooms, in their boardrooms, in their schoolrooms. In fact... I want to talk to guys for a moment here. We need a generation of men who will keep evil away from their home, and they will bring in godliness and righteousness. I think for too long, men have believed the lie that we're to be kinder, kinder and gentler and to keep our faith to ourselves. And while there's a time and a place for that, certainly, we need men who will fight for what is right, who will stand up and say, there will be none of that in my home, because as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. And so disciples in the last days, I want to bless you. I want to pray that God's anointing will be upon you. I pray that his truth will be revealed to you. And through the power of his spirit, the resurrection power, you will be able to live that truth out in a way to be an example to all those who rub shoulders with you day by day. God bless. Until next time.